Rivers Fog, a podcast dedicated to navigating and clearing the hazy fog of grief by sharing inspirational, raw, beautiful, and sometimes humorous stories. This podcast does not provide medical or therapy advice, but rather creates opportunities to transform the way we think and talk about grief and the importance of recognizing our daily griefs. We're the co-founders and hosts, Jim and Andrea, who simply want to create ripples in the water in your community so you can live well and die well because you can grieve well all the losses. We plan dropping new episodes every Wednesday with transcripts available upon request. Be sure to see show notes for further details. Today's guest shares wisdom learned from his personal experiences, teaching from others, and the importance of focusing on what matters most. Casey McCoy is a man who values relationships with everything he encounters, from people, knowledge, food, and his environment. Casey has continued making ripples in the water after various types of grief and losses, striving for personal growth and development through it all, as he himself continues to shrink, yet grow at the same time, literally and figuratively. His curiosity and desire to strengthen his ability to embrace changes and reframe how he chooses to spend his time, energy, and resources. This includes, but is not limited, to how he went from escaping foreclosure by floating down the river on a flatboat dressed up like Abraham Lincoln to now buying a house in Belize. From taking a job driving an ice cream van to now running T. McCoy with Keller Williams Realty. And from a growth transition having a 2,400-square-foot party house to loving his now less-than-800-square-foot home. The letting go of friendships, yet now connected to more people across the country. And being in the military to the grief of when becoming almost 400 pounds transformed his life. But at best, stating, quote, if you want to do what is easy, life will be difficult. And if you do what is difficult, life will be easy. Be sure to see show notes for further details of some great books and personal assessments referenced today. Also, how to get in touch with him on social media or use his help buying and selling your home to create the life that brings you greater balance in life. Today's episode is brought to you by DeAndre Wilson, a serial entrepreneur. Are you wondering to what a serial entrepreneur does? No, they don't just eat cereal. Are you wondering what social entrepreneurship is? No, they do way more than just networking. Be sure to tune in to Rivers Fog here in a few weeks to hear more about how he manages to balance several endeavors and still manages to take naps. Hey, y'all, I just want to add a disclaimer that today's episode may sound a little bit more choppy than normal. That's for a couple of reasons. One, Jim and I are still exploring and learning lots when it comes to editing. And also, there was so much good content, it was hard to even narrow down what to keep on this long episode. But you will not be disappointed. Thanks again, Casey. In just the little bit of time we've had, like you're a very like under a deep understanding of relationships, not just even human to human, but even like from your like a relationship that you had with food or mm-hmm. like very like how how do I relate to eight million other things just besides humans? Like it seems like that's kind of your like your Yoda thing that you do. Yep. Yeah, that's absolutely right. Yeah. Yeah, and it, it's it's um, it's something that's really evolved for me. 
a book I'm reading right now. And uh, the question that pulled out for me, who am I? If you can use no personality, no labels, um, you cannot use your body description, right? Who are you? Mm-hmm. So at like the soul level, mm-hmm. who are you? Conversation so interesting. Yeah, I'm like, dude, I want him to answer the question. <laughs> well, but it, it is really hard question to answer because yeah. technically speaking, almost anything that you're going to say is a label or a, a, a word that would be described in physical or right you know the and everything that you course. say somebody is trying to put the label on you but it's just so that they can understand right yeah that everybody is seeking to understand right and that's that's where the like if you look in the business world that's where like categories come into play like right you want to if you want a coke do you want like a coke or do you want like a pepsi or do you want like a mountain dew or like those are each individual you start at the at the top which is the category of soda and then you work your way down but people are the exact same way and so everybody's just trying to connect the dots yeah. for themselves, mostly because we run around life, driving our cars very fast every day, trying to get to one place to the other, and and to slow down and really take the time to do that, to go inside and say, wait a minute, is what I'm doing every day serving me? And A, and then B, is what I'm doing every day serving others? Mm-hmm. And then... On top of that, is it making, is it bringing joy to my life? And am I able to go then give forward to more people because of that joy uh, reciprocity in your life? Because sometimes place these labels on ourselves that actually aren't true. And so Mm -hmm. we lose kind of our authentic selves. And like you said, trying to slow down and reflect upon, you know, what really matters because yeah, and you've always just been a solid dude, like someone that you knew you could trust, who wasn't shady, who wasn't going to try to take advantage of you, just a good, solid guy. Yeah. And Well, yeah, I mean, any time that you get to have, and I had to I, I had to do a lot of sacrifices. At the time, actually, it wasn't a sacrifice. I just didn't want to go to, uh, to college that semester. So it worked out well that I had to take that semester off to do that trip. And it was it was a 28, 29 day trip from um, Santa Claus, Indiana, mm-hmm. down to New Orleans. And, and how did you get from point A to B? Uh, on a flatboat, experiencing the smaller, way, 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 way small uh, cities and kind of their cultures and what's just from an outsider, what's driving their economy. Or I was going to say, from an economic economy. perspective and just different losses, and that's. You know, that's kind of something, you know, Jim and I, we are not business experts by any means, um, even even though now I'm somehow trying to manage two new businesses this last year. Um, but something that is part of our what matters most and trying to be a ripple in the water to help people start conversations about grief and acknowledging the daily grief is when when we're able to recognize those griefs and finding our passion, kind of digging in what's deep and what really makes you thrive, what gives you that joy, that sense of pleasure, that sense of purpose. And, you know, as we're s- sitting here at the Speak and Tell studio, looking out this, you think about reflecting on yourself at that time in your life, because that was circa 2007, I think it seven, was. Seven. Seven. How do you think that compares to now when you 
looking deep and reflecting upon some of the growth? Because I, I know that there's been grief along the way. For sure. I mean, well, to start, I'm really the Abraham Lincoln trip that we took, uh, and we, we recreated a trip that Abraham Lincoln took that when he saw uh, his first slave market in New Orleans, which what started wow. everything uh, for him, right? He saw that and he was like, this is absolutely not okay. Yeah. And then he went down his ripple effect, uh, thank God. Yeah. And uh, we, say, we see today what, what that looked like. So that was incredible. So to recreate that at a time in my life where I was really searching for something that I didn't really know yet. Because at mm. that time, I, I was just going through. And I, the one thing that I've done my entire life is try things. Mm-hmm. I've, I've just put myself in situations to go, okay, well, I'm never going to ask myself the question, what if I would have done this? I'm just going to do it. And if, if it works, great. If it doesn't work, that's okay too. Worst and case scenario, you don't like how it tastes in your mouth. I tell people that. I don't <laughs> understand picky eaters. I'm like, spit it out. Ten seconds later, your mouth is fine. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Yeah. I didn't mean to interrupt you there. No, that's exactly <laughs> right. It's, it's people not, that's people's, the one thing that holds everybody back is people's unwillingness to change their current situation to get themselves into a different situation. does not mean better. It just means different. And that different situation is the only thing that stands between you and the next area or the next part of your life. And so when I take myself back to that time, it was a time where my house is 2008, 2009. My house was in foreclosure. I had bought my first house when I was 20. And I had this grand idea to rent out my bedrooms to pay for the mortgage, uh, which on average worked well Mm -hmm. with some very not great uh, exceptions. (laughs) (laughs) Because I I also, along with that, wanted a place where I could give people a safe place to party and to hang out and to just explore. So that, and so like, as you know, the only rules at my house back then was like no fighting and uh, what else? Oh, no fighting and no like hard drugs. Yeah. It's like other than that, you can do whatever you want to. And try to aim for the toilet. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> hopefully. <laughs> so we, we, I was in 2006, five, six range. We started that, that, uh, with what is called shit happens when you party naked. Yeah. And it was just us going to different people's places and hosting parties and providing that safe place for people to go party because they were going to do it anyway. And the way that I've now come to realize, I, I think of myself more like a shepherd, right? Mm-hmm. Which is like, if you're in my flock, and that sounds, sounds weird to say out loud, mm-hmm. but like if you're, if you're you. in my circle, right? I got you. I got you. Oh, yeah. I'm going to protect you, even if you can't. I can speak to being um, at at different places. I always felt safer when you were there. Not that I was like, I felt unsafe, Mm -hmm. but I always felt safer. Um, I always felt, I guess, shepherd in Mm -hmm. in some way. Mm -hmm. And, And I know that just through different life circumstances and, and, and what was going on, I had to step away from 
activities and relationships and no i mean like it doesn't work well whenever your tenants start dating your friends and they uh, get super drunk and kick down doors and all like, <laughs> all the all the stuff that you would assume happens at a place where people go and gather <laughs> specifically when they're between you know like yeah. 19 and 23 or 22 yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it, it was, I, I was searching because what I did at that time was I kind of, I, I came to the realization, I was like, this is no longer serving me. It did serve me for a couple of years. And then I looked around and I was like, well, wait a minute. Now I'm having like actual real world problems. Right. And the, my world that have created around me was not there to help me solve. Mm-hmm. Right. So... It was going from that and that thinking, and in 2008, my house was, I, I, had, I had all my roommates move out of my house at once. I then was like, okay, well, I can figure this out. I can lease my house out to somebody. I did. They stayed for like six months. They paid great rent while they were there, um, but then they moved out in the middle of their lease. I didn't have any money to take them to court or anything, so it was just, I was just out. Yeah. And... So that that was ha- that was happening right at the same time that the flatboat trip came up, mm. and so for me it was a way to escape the problems back in Evansville yeah. at at my house that I had bought that I you know it's like I didn't have any money to buy a house in 2006 they were just giving loans to everybody and their dog mm-hmm. so uh, luckily I've got one but then when i took that trip i was taken out of that scenario and i realized that there was some pretty big gaping holes in my life like one i didn't know what i wanted to do when i grew up uh two i really enjoyed floating down the river but also nobody's gonna pay me to do that oh Uh, i wish Well, I guess you can. A uh, buddy of mine's dad's a barge captain, so yeah. I guess he technically gets paid to float down the river. But there's a lot of other responsibilities <laughs> than yeah. just relaxing on a flat boat. <laughs> and just doing some personal reflection and some meditation mm-hmm. on a boat. Yeah. Yeah. And it was still, like, I was at that time where it was in between those two things. So I, I wasn't on the other side of those issues or those problems. So I was still really grappling with that. And uh, so probably I'm guessing again, as you're going down this trip, you're still thinking about that thing of like, you can't completely let go of it. And maybe there's something mm-hmm. in the midst of that that has this somehow in the growth experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it was, it was totally, in a, cause I'm, I am an avoider. Like that's, that's my natural setting is cause like, Growing up, my parents would always be like, we're not going to talk about money. I'd go, like, learn about finances and, you know, at Bossy and mm-hmm. uh, economics class. And I'd be like, oh, mom, dad, I'm supposed to ask you guys, like, how much you guys make and how much we spend. And <laughs> we they were like, we don't talk about that. <laughs> yeah. Well, then it's like, then we get trained to be the peacemaker. We mm-hmm. get trained to just um, not talk about difficult things. And then sometimes that shepherding can border enabling. Yep things enabling people and enabling ourselves to avoid our emotions Mm -hmm. you know if you were to define knowing that grief is any form of loss the kind of the losses whether you know personally identifying when you were on that boat so 
Probably. I mean, the loss of control would be would be one uh, for sure because I didn't feel like I was in control at all. And I didn't feel like there was even an option, really. Um, so that I, and I didn't know any options and I didn't know anybody to ask about options. So it was like that I was my whole community that I had built up right in, in my head mostly, but in in theory, right. that whole community, I didn't have, nobody else had any problems like that. Mm -hmm. I didn't know anybody that had any issues or had any, any guidance at that particular time. I didn't have any mentors that, you know, bought a house and rented out the rooms and like that. I didn't, I didn't have that. And I didn't ask many people because I felt totally out of, like I didn't, I didn't know even which direction to run down. And that was kind of the first time in my life that I'd had that because I've always, I've always been in kind of a, not an introvert, but an intrinsic thinker maybe. Mm -hmm. And instead of having that time, it was just like, okay, well the thing that you're doing is now ended. It's like, okay. Yeah. Oh, what you're doing is no longer serving you. We, we've yes. got these, these new paths. And so when you stepped off that bow and thinking about the following years, those paths where those ripples in the water of your own self-reflection that, uh, that you noticed different parts of your growth journey, because I know that you were dealing with different types of griefs um, with family and friends for, you know, this last decade. Mm-hmm. Really, and every time I do touch base, I, I I just know like there's some there's even more growth there. Like I I I want to I want to hit off of whatever you're whatever you're get whatever you're taking because you you just radiate just that greater sense of joy and connectedness with yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, whenever you ask that question, who am I? How, how does that feel asking yourself now today? And I know we're jumping all over. If we mm-hmm. had like a time frame, yeah. But going from at that point in your life, it was really hard to define who am I. And answering that question now, I think I wrote it down. You said, without identifying no personality traits, no labels, no body description. Mm-hmm. That. Can I read you a story? Um, absolutely. This is the story of the legend of Prometheus and how he gave human beings the secret of life. Until that time... Fire had been regarded as proprietary information, and only the gods and goddesses had known about its importance and its uses. Man had been kept in his place, condemned to live like the beasts eating raw meat and sheltering in caves. Prometheus, a titan, had deep sympathy for the plight of humankind. He decided to defy Zeus and gave humans the gift of fire, knowing full well that he would suffer for his actions. When Zeus heard what the compassionate Prometheus had done, he was livid. Not only had Prometheus disobeyed him, and for that he would be punished, but Zeus knew that now that humans had fire, it was possible that they might discover other knowledge only known by the deities. In particular, there was one piece of information to which humans must never be privy. Zeus immediately convened a meeting on Mount Olympus, Of all the gods and goddesses, at this meeting, the deities had to decide where this precious information should be hidden. What was this secret that was so important that it must never be discovered by mere mortals? The secret was far more significant than fire. It was none other than the secret to the meaning of life. 
The deities were united in their belief that human beings simply could not be entrusted with such knowledge. Where could this precious information be concealed? They debated and discussed the possibilities. Should the secret be hidden on a star? What about under the ocean where Neptune could keep an eye on it? Every possible hiding place was suggested and eventually discarded as not being appropriate for such a secret. Was there any place where man would not think to look? Finally, Mm. after much deliberation, someone thought of the perfect place, an absolutely brilliant foolproof hiding place. The deities decreed that the secret would be hidden in the human heart. I knew you were going to call. Because people look outward rather than inward for solutions and direction. And no one would think to look there. Mm. As soon as I got goosebumps, I was like, oh, I know where they're hiding it. <laughs> when, in the reading of that story, what is your, what, what's the direct application like in your, within your own story? Mm. How, what, where is that? Where does that lead us? So essentially, as soon as I read that, um, it, for me, it helped me realize, well, oh my gosh, you know, there's all of these courses and all of this work. And we spend a lot every year on personal growth, business growth, uh, coaches, mentors, and it's, and it all stems from when I was in that place in my life where I didn't have anybody in my circle to really go ask for, uh, and I was a lot more guarded back then, right? I didn't want anybody to know what was going on and any of that stuff. Because questions are the answers. Yes, yeah. Well, what we know actually from research is that when the question is asked, even before the mind can come up with the answer, it starts working on the answer to that question. So it can take a while for that question to actually be answered. And as life does, it can evolve over time. And that, so for me, the way that I answered the question of uh, who am I, it was um, a spiritual being having a minor physical experience whose purpose in life is to understand other spirits completely and help those spirits that are in alignment and connection with mine through wise counsel. Mm. Wow, that's really good. I was able to answer that question, not quickly, but in the grand scheme of time, articulate fairly fast, mostly because I've done a lot of work Mm -hmm. on figuring out myself on really just finding verbiage, right? That's been the most helpful thing for me is a student of language. Mm -hmm. And so finding the right verbiage to connect the dots that I already know in my head, but just don't know how to express. Right. It's Mm -hmm. like, it's like when you have a, uh, a baby that can't talk yet and they just get angry because they don't know how to. So I think this this is really important. And, and I I have a question, but I'm going to say why I think it's really important because I think so many times I didn't understand the concept of shame. Right. So shame was like for really bad people or right. had shame. And then I started going to counseling and I realized my anger, like I have anger issues. Mm-hmm. So that was causing shame. Mm-hmm. But I didn't see the two things until I sat down with a counselor and he lay, he put that word on it. Mm-hmm. So ever since then, I've become go, oh, we a lot of times we know. And even with our kids now, my wife and I give them an emotional language. And we've talked 
Andrea and I have talked about this because people don't have a language for grief. Mm-hmm. So they can't, it's hard to talk about it because I don't have these words. So my question, I'm just saying all that to kind of set up this question. So like you've had, you've got this thing going on with this house over here. You get on this boat, which is really cool, but there's still all kinds of stuff going on. Take us through your journey. And if you can, like just through that journey, like move us forward through that journey, but give us these words that, that you had to, that you had no you're creating your language. Mm-hmm. So you're now traveling, trying to really focus on being that full spirited person, looking at buying a house in Belize mm-hmm. and doing these constant, like I'm, I'm inspired and um, really jealous of some of these conferences and <laughs> retreats that you have gone on over the last couple mm-hmm. uh, years. Mm-hmm. And so that, that language that developed over those years as Jim asked. Um, so I, I can tell you it, it was a long and short, journey, right? It's like everything in life. It's very simple, Uh, but it just takes some time and some learning to get there. So from that day, so let me wrap up that, that actual story. So when I got back from the flatboat trip, I made a phone call to a friend of mine, thankfully, uh, you know him, Mm -hmm. uh, Cookie. And he, I, I asked him, I said, nobody knows this but my house is in foreclosure and I don't know what to do. And he said, well, Casey, are you, are you like communicating with your mortgage company? I said, no. Uh, every time I see their call, I'm like, Mm-mm, I'm not answering that. And uh, back to the avoidance. And when he said, Casey, people all around the country right now are going through this same thing. And there are, a lot of programs out there that are helping people get through this. And I was like, wait a minute. It's not just me. I don't have to do this on my own. I thought that I was the only person Mm. in the whole world experiencing this right now. So I called, got it out of foreclosure and did that and buttoned up that. So from 2009, which is the year that my wife and I met Lindsay Mm -hmm. uh, from 2009, really to about 2015, we were just kind of living life by what I say is by default, right? We were just kind of going through different Emotions. things. And, uh, well, we, we, you know, and, and actually Lindsay was the first person that I came across that I was like, oh my gosh, I need to marry this girl right now. And that was not, I'd never had that before. And you always had like a romantic soft heart. I mean, oh, yeah. so, but Lindsay was like, yep, that's it. Mm-hmm. It, it was the it was the easiest decision I've ever made and the best decision I've ever made in my life. And so from there, though, for the first five years of our marriage, we were just kind of, you know, maybe we'd go out and, you know, we weren't really purposeful about our life, the way that we were designing our days. Um, I was working till eight, nine o'clock at night and starting work at seven o'clock in the morning. And so I was working all the time, just trying to get our, our real estate business off the ground. And then all of a sudden it, it all came to, well, fruition. When I saw myself on a, on a pontoon boat and I weighed like 387 pounds, uh, which is 110 pounds heavier than I am today. And it's, well, almost... And you're a tall man. Almost 180 pounds heavier than I was when I was in the military. So, and I'm 6'4", so I, mm-hmm. I, I can hide it well through my whole frame. 
and I'm a, I'm just generally a, a bigger dude, um, frame wise. So when I, when I saw that picture, I had a bush light in my hand and I was like, you know, sitting on a pontoon boat. And so I saw myself and I saw myself for the first time. And then I had this second realization. I hadn't really taken a picture or I'd been hiding in pictures for the last couple of years. And it was just because we weren't paying attention to anything. And it was right after that, that kind of all of the verbiage started coming mm-hmm. and most of it through, we started to Lindsay and I take a lot of, uh, not a lot, but, um, what's called like the disc assessment. Um, we used to have a, something called the AVA, but it's now the, the KPA. It's a personality behavior mm-hmm. assessment. Um, so all of those things help starting to paint and give verbiage to things. We took like the money, um, money personality quiz, mm. which if you've not taken is a beautiful exercise. Um, we learned that I am a spender and, uh, Lindsay is an amasser. So she wants to go into the bank account and see more every day. Right. And mm-hmm. I'm like, it's okay. Cause I have one of my biggest, um, strengths is I have an innate trust that anything, any action that I do, the world and God or whoever you want to believe the universe is going to be there to support it. So, and if, it's, if, if that support is not there, we'll just change it and go a different direction. Um, because that support in my eyes is how you kind of grow things. That's, that's the universe or God telling you the direction that you should be kind of going down instead of fighting it and going, no, I keep trying to do this thing. My go, way. Yeah. Just go, okay, I'm going to stop trying to do that. Stop resisting. And just listen. So it was a lot of those assessments that really started the verbiage journey for me and for Lindsay. Cause what I did was we went through and we did the disc, the money personality assessment, the, um, crap, there was another one. We were, we were talking about the five love languages earlier. Five um, love languages. Yeah. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we went through and did all those and then I did mine. I made Lindsay do hers and then we just switched. And I said, here, here's mine, read mine, I'll read yours, and then we'll come together and we'll chat. And so it was through coming together and talking through to say, okay, well, yeah, that is, that is really kind of me. That is, eh, that's a little part I don't really associate with. But, you know, so kind of, uh, I call it like downloading from those mm-hmm. assessments to make sure that, you know, because they're all built for like generalities, right? right. So there's little intricacies in all of them, but there's general lessons too that you can pull out. So it was mostly through those that we started down the verbiage path and, and, and really starting to get really good with our language. So you can be intentional about mm-hmm. really what mattered. Yes. Yeah. And it was around that time, I think it was 2015, um, that we went out to, uh, with my, my, one of my best friends in the world, Derek, uh, we went out to L.A. to the Dave Ramsey Smart Conference, and they had the best mm. speakers in relationships and finance and um, spirituality in uh, retirement. Basically, everybody come together to talk about all of those aspects and all those pillars of life that actually matter in one setting. And it was, I think it was Meg Meeker who gave us 
the gift of this phrase that uh, women see and hear in pink and guys see and hear in blue. And what that, what that looks like is, um, and it's somebody else that, because that was like what gave us the kind of the realization that's like, oh my gosh. So when I say something, there's a reason that, and when I say some, that same thing to a dude, they get it. But when I say that same thing to a girl, they don't get it. And so it was that realization. And then also followed up with when guys uh, feel disrespected, they act unlovingly towards the opposite sex. Well, when females feel unloved, they act disrespecting towards mm. guys. It's such that that shame even within mm-hmm. that and mm-hmm. sometimes even just grieving those moments of, oh, when you look in, it's, oh, I didn't know I was doing that. Yes. Or, yes. And so that it, it, it's a um, pattern interrupt for us now, even still to this day. That was uh, a few years ago. So it's like, okay, well, I think that we're in this circle. Maybe we should take a pause and just come back. And so instead of feeling disrespected and acting unlovingly and then, you know, feeling unloved and acting disrespectfully, instead of that cycle, which is where we all find ourselves in, in a fight, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. When you're in an argument with another human, that's that cycle that happens, stopping, walking away for a minute, and then coming back to then discuss. Yeah. That's been pretty powerful for yeah. us. Yeah. So then it was it was then actually taking labels and different things going, okay, well, what are what are we talking about now here? Like what is the actual we're not talking about the uh my pants that I left in the living room, right? That's that's not <laughs> Yeah, the, right, exactly. That's not what yeah, we're actually right, talking exactly. about. Exactly. So what are we actually talking about? We're actually talking about how when I leave stuff around the house, which is my general nature, because <laughs> it for me it doesn't clutter anything, and it doesn't just, bother you. I'll go through and I'll clean it up one time, you know, one day. And but for her, right? So it for her having that clutter in places gives her anxiety. And so what we're really talking about is lessening the anxiety that she sees on a daily basis in our house and that helps her live a healthy life. And so if picking up my pants leads to less anxiety, those are the actual things that we're talking about. That are right. equilibrium. matters to me. Right. Mm-hmm. But picking up my pants doesn't matter. Right. Like, yes. But helping her live a great life is part of my mission. Mm-hmm. And it's because she can download stuff and information. I call her the, uh, um, uh, Rain Man, because she can download like so much information all at once, make a very quick decision, and I'm like still trying to figure out what information is coming from where, and and she's already figured it out and moved on. And I'm like, it, it, this is so funny because like my wife, I didn't even know what we were arguing about because she knows exactly what we're arguing about, and I'm still trying to figure out what the hell we're arguing about, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. See, I'm still in denial where I say. Oh, I don't argue with my husband. I'm I'm in denial. I'm like, we're not having an argument. I'm just letting you know what you need to do and how you need to think and how you need to respond to me and what and and you know, like, it's just it's it's part of that. But it helped you grow as a person, learning this language and reflecting about these patterns and how it affects you. And okay, this matters to me. Like 
keeping my wife, not just a happy wife makes a happy life, that whole saying, just Mm -hmm. at the deeper level of what matters. Um, Because I'm gathering through, you know, other conversations outside of this recording is that that has been applied to throughout your entire life. Mm. And things maybe don't go your way is guessing through those conversations or arguments or self-reflection you know, grief bubbles up in different ways, you know, identifying different forms of loss. And I was wondering if there anything that comes to mind regarding the language and growth development with losses and griefs along your journey. Um, I mean, there's, there's been a lot. Um, and, and that's, that's the, you know, uh, hindsight is always very clear. And luckily our minds are pretty good at forgetting about bad shit that's happened to us. <laughs> yeah. And because if it, if it wasn't, then we would all be stopped in our tracks at the first time that we tried to do anything. Mm-hmm. And the first time we tried to, you know, fly out of the nest, so to speak, right? We'd be like, okay, well, the nest is way safer than out here. Um, so, but specifically, I mean, uh, loss of uh, family members throughout the years has been pretty difficult. Um the 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 actual letting go uh which by the way there's a great book called letting go um the actual letting go of control Mm. of things um and that whole journey i'm still doing that right i want to make sure that because the the shepherding side of me i'm like okay well if i if i'm in control control of the the environment (laughs) <laughs> then then I can make sure that there's no wolves to get inside, right? Then we've got a nice little community. We on a on the real estate side, we the name Team McCoy is what our, our team name is. And it really came from Lindsay and I and we were in the car and this is how we go into any scenario that like where she may or may not want to go and I'm like, Yeah, let's go. It'll be fun. And she's like, Hey, Team McCoy though, right? I love it. And that just means like we're together. Right. Like it's me and you. And so that that's where that really came from. But it was it was through that that evolution of um, figuring out what really is important, what really is not important. Right. What matters most. Yeah. Yeah. And what the core of those things are. Yeah. Because it's not the pants on the ground. Yeah. It's it's can I get the big rocks in the jar enough to where. The rest of it doesn't really matter. Mm-hmm. So when we're, you know, trying to, um, when I when I look through, and I've gotten a lot better at dealing with grief recently, you know, more in the last two or three years than I ever was before that. Um, but it, it's, I think it's accepting the things that I can't change. And that sounds, like, you know, you've said, you've heard that a million times and it's way easier to say than to actually practice Mm -hmm. because in practice it sucks. Yeah, It's like, no, I want to control that. Like I, I still want that person there or I still want this piece of my business there. It's just not there anymore. And so you have to move on and, and evolve and, and level up and leveling up not to not, in spite of that, uh, we lost my uncle Jerry three years ago. Um, lived out in San Diego. It was like the first time my uncle Larry here sent me for my graduation gift from high school out there to see him. He lived in San Diego. 
That was my first time seeing the West Coast. That was my first time seeing an environment that's like, oh my gosh, wait a minute. It's like 75 degrees here and sunny every day after 10 a.m. Okay. Why doesn't everybody live here? (laughs) And so all of those little experiences for him, he was the first time I've surfed with anybody. So like he really opened my eyes to what's possible Mm -hmm. and lived very, very simply, um, but lived in paradise, right? For 15 years, he lived on the bay across the street from the beach in a in an apartment no bigger than the studio oh. in, a, in an old converted garage. So that was like, he didn't have a kitchen. He had like a bed and like a bathroom and a microwave. <laughs> well, I, I know that you and Lindsay have downsized. Oh yeah. Yeah. And he was probably really happy. Like that was a thousand percent. Okay. Right. Super happy. Uh-huh. There wasn't so many pants to pick up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so yeah. There weren't so you many closets <laughs> to keep clean. Well, and I just heard it said again, back to a counselor that I had, he's cause when my wife and I were having these financial things going on, he was like, there's some people like he says, I know a guy, he's an artist and he kind of lives paycheck to paycheck. And like, he's okay with that. That's okay. Mm-hmm. And you guys are trying to do that, but you're not okay with that. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's like, if you're okay with this and you know how to manage it, it works, but it, you got to have, there's got to be an alignment of the stars, so to speak. So, and he was like, okay, I can just live in this little place and I'm good. I don't, I don't need anything, but mm-hmm. that, that can get so messy if you are, if you're not honest about the alignment of your stars, so to speak. Yes. Yeah. And that's cause like Jerry paid his property taxes every year and we didn't know this until he passed away, but he paid his property taxes every year by going around and collecting cans uh, because in California you, they're, redeemable yeah. Try hundred, yeah and and he that's how he paid his property taxes wow. from a condo that he bought in california mm-hmm. wow mm-hmm. that's a lot of cans that's a lot of cans <laughs> so yeah. side note i grew up in michigan where they also have the deposit and that also as a kid that funded a lot of candy bars and other things oh, too yeah. oh yeah <laughs> yeah okay back to the conversation now it's, yeah well, but finding those income sources is super important yeah so because finance you know, from the stats we know that Financial troubles are what lead to the most divorces. Yes. And if you're not okay and in alignment with that, that in it, in and of itself is grief. Yeah. And that, that really is because if you're not in alignment with your finances, and that's why the money, I'd suggest the money personality test to every couple that I talk to yes. because it's one of the most important things to get clear on to un- and allow the other person to be that and push them a little bit whenever mm-hmm. they're getting too much like that. Yeah. That's that's our role as spouses, in my opinion, is to push each other, not for the sake of just growth or pushing mm-hmm. each other, but to check each other every once in a while to go, hey, you said that you you know wanted this. The things that you're doing, not yep. really in that direction. So right. do you still want it? Because I'm, I'm supporting you yeah. whichever way you want to go. It's helping hold each other accountable. What matters? What are our goals? How do we want to grow together? Where do we want to see our relationship? Mm-hmm. How do we want to deal with the next grief, the next loss mm-hmm. in our life? Because we don't want it to consume us. We don't want the undertow of the water to suck us down. Or we want to be able to keep our head above water. But that's where I feel like just whenever I touch base with you over the last several years is those are the things that it seems like you're doing them. Every time I talk to you, you're either getting ready to come back or travel to somewhere. Mm-hmm. And it's always with purpose and intention. And yeah. yeah, we set a goal four years ago now, I think it was, um, to go on a vacation every quarter. And at the time that we set that, we set it at a, at a retreat that we were on, right? And at the time that we set that, 
I remember it gave me this big knot in my stomach because at the time, financially speaking, we weren't like at the place where we could go on four vacations every quarter. And it was like, okay, well, one of these or two or maybe three of these is going to be like <laughs> to Nashville <laughs> or Louisville for the weekend. To Santa Claus. Yeah, yeah, to Santa Claus and back. So, but the important thing that we figured out was getting in that routine mm. to get out of our environment, to open up our senses and other environments because Lindsay and I both thrive off of like, we went to Manhattan a couple of years ago and I could totally live in Manhattan for like six months. And after that I would become like a cocaine addicted, like money hungry person. I know myself well enough to know that. Cause I'd be like, Oh my gosh, I got to go do more and yeah. grow this. But so knowing that, right, mm-hmm. I'm not moving to Manhattan anytime yeah. soon. Um, but, and also knowing that like when we go down to somewhere, like when we were in Belize, right, it's way the opposite of that. Um, and actually funny story that you guys, that fits right into this. I was talking to a Belizean um, girl while we were down there and I said, Hey, uh, I just have a question. And we'd talked to a ton of local people over we down there, hung out with a bunch of them. And I said, it seems like you guys are are very focused on today and today only and not really worried about tomorrow. Where does that come from? And she said, well, it's actually pretty easy. We live in paradise. (laughs) And every day we get to wake up at 9 or 10 or whenever we wake up and we have breakfast with our family. And then we go off and we do, you know, jobs and then we all come back at lunch and have breakfast with our family. Kids come home from school. Parents come home from mm, work. That is paradise. And then we go back and we do some, some other little odds and ends things. And then we come back and have dinner with our family. And then on Sunday, we have Sunday barbecue. And that's a thing down there. Every Sunday, that everybody barbecues and everybody gets together. And Saturday, nobody does anything. And, and she said, and it's 80 to 85 degrees every day. And we live in paradise. Yeah. And you guys, talking about Americans, mm-hmm. and you guys work all year to come down here for one or two or three weeks, and then you go back to make more money to come back down here. And so to you, we are poor. But to us, you are poor. Yeah. And we are rich. Mm-hmm. When I went to... I love uh, it. Spending time, a little bit of time in Central and South America, that was the biggest eye-opening thing, like... In America, like here, we're going to meet here at, at 10 o'clock today, right? Mm-hmm. So that meet you're going to be here at 10 o'clock. We're in like those cultures, like, like 10, 10 o'clock <laughs> means, well, sometime around 10 o'clock, mm-hmm. which might be one o'clock mm-hmm. and that's okay. Yep. Like nobody's sitting here going, where, where are they? Where are they? Where are they? Right. Yeah. Like the, it's just a it, time is less of this, this thing. And it's all, it's just, I, again, this is just bringing me back to my times going down there going, oh, wait a minute. You mean everybody doesn't operate like America? And actually, maybe what the way we operate here might not be healthy? Oh, it's totally oh. not healthy. <laughs> I'm a totally <laughs> throwing out my um, subjective opinion there. Oh, but. no. It, it's not. Like, it, and that's just it. Like, the, and then, the like, most... if we if we go on vacation for two weeks, it's like I'm guilty because I'm supposed to be working, right? Like, yeah. that's that's this mindset of yeah. the unhealthy mindset of, Amer- of where we are. Mm-hmm. And I, I can tell you on that, like, Four years later, I finally am mostly okay not, and I, and I 
work obviously in intermittently when we're on vacation, but like I finally, and it took me probably three years of, of doing that and getting into that flow of going somewhere and, and, mm-hmm. and we go somewhere about every couple months and it, and it's finally okay that we're doing it for me. Mm-hmm. That finally, I like that. I don't feel guilty. Like out of oh, the office email response, like I'm yeah, gone. Well, I don't have those, but, oh. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's, the the that feeling that you're talking about actually mm-hmm. when we moved into the tiny house um what was that three years ago i bought it was our it was actually the first property that i bought so it was well, uh, let's see 2006 i bought my first house and then it took me uh till 2017 to buy my second property mm-hmm. and and that was mostly because our my finances were all screwed up the majority of that time. And that was like getting all that crap back together is tough and difficult and sucks really terribly. Um, but it's, I, it was the first rental house that I bought and I bought it. We closed and I was like, babe, you should come see this house. Uh, we walked in, Lindsay goes, I think we should redo this and move in here. And I said, here to this house. It's like 800 square feet. What are we live in like 2,400 square feet now? How what are we going to do with all our stuff? And she said, "Our stuff doesn't matter." Mm. I think by doing this, I love Lindsay. I know she's such a better. Why aren't person we better friends? Sorry, continue. <laughs> <laughs> so I, she said, "Just run the numbers and let me know what you think." And because she knows I'm a numbers person, I was like, "Okay, if we do this." We could save fifteen hundred bucks a month Holy in expenses. So more vacations. <laughs> yeah. Well, more vacations, more investments, yeah. more, more opportunities to mm-hmm. have the the money set aside to forward to our create future. the life that you want to live and yeah. focus on what matters. And so I had to let go of a ton of labels and set, these are all self self imposed, mm-hmm. right? Because anytime I would talk to clients, they it would always come up where I lived. For some reason, now it doesn't at all, but for some reason back then it always came up. And I was like, oh, we live right across the street from UE and Memorial. And I was like, oh, nice. I love that neighborhood. That's great. And now, at any time I tell anybody where we live, they're like, I don't know where that is. And, oh, you live down there? And it's like, I, it's the quietest place I've ever lived. And it is, it that one action has catapulted and domino affected the rest of our entire financial lives, the rest of our relationships. Mm -hmm. So, because to do that, it was like, okay, well we spend some time every week fighting about who's cleaning and who's doing laundry and who's doing the dishes and all that, all that normal stuff that has to happen. We spend time doing that fighting about it and then doing it. And so instead of doing that, okay, well if we move into this tiny house, what are the things that we get? Well, we get $1,500 extra a month. The, uh, so it's like all those little things that you don't really think about whenever you're trying to, um, you know, level up and get the bigger house and the best neighborhood and, the, um, and you know, have the things kind of that, mm-hmm. you, that you learn in life that are important. All that stuff went away. This is the best financial decision for us. 
It's the same reason why Lindsay still drives the car that she got when she was 16. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. Yeah. Still alive. It's still alive. I don't know how. It's a Chevy Cavalier. I don't, it should be dead 20 years ago, but it's not. And it's an actually funny story. It saved us from like every car that I've had that's broken. That's like, (laughs) you know, like the batteries died or it's kind of, you know, it's like my car got stolen a couple years ago. Cavalier was right there, started right up. And, you know, that was our car for a little while. And so we made all those choices, those choices instead of having a, you know, the nice new car or whatever it is. We just don't, it doesn't matter because we want experiences and those experiences drive the future of our decisions. And through all of that, you have, I, I had to learn that it was okay to let go of the majority of the persona, right? That I wanted people, or I thought that I wanted people to see Mm -hmm. and instead go, okay, well, this is me. And if you don't like it, I don't really care. This is who I am. This is what matters most to me. And, and that's the, 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 the human struggle, I think, right? Like mm-hmm. I think of right now raising kids in middle school, high school in that age where that's the, everything, right? You're trying to figure out who I am and how I need to be cool, but I don't want to be cool. But, da, 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 da. Mm-hmm. but that's like the constant human struggle Yes, that you're, that you're talking about and you're doing all this. But, and the people, then the thing, like people think, oh my gosh, what a great story, right? This all happened so easily and all just fell into place for him, right? <laughs> yeah. No. That- if you do what is easy, life will be difficult. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you do what is difficult, life will be easy. And that's the trick. And that's the thing that everybody wants life to be easy. But it's not the easy stuff that comes to us very easily that we'd like to do. Like deep down, everybody loves to struggle. And it sucks when you're in the middle of it, but when you get through that, mm-hmm. you look back and you go, if you if I asked you guys both, like what things in your life are you most proud of, it's probably the struggles that you've overcame uh, more so than anything else. Like I, I passionately love football and I loved playing football all the way up through four years of college. And football practice was monotonous and dreadful and hard and brutal. But man, when I got to the end of practice every day, did I love it? Then did I feel proud that I made it through this? Mm. And right and like anyways, but I, I loved when you're in the midst of the hard work and the struggle. I don't know. There's you know, it's you're questioning or whatever, but man, when you get done, it's like I will take this a thousand times over. Like I would never turn in any of that. Mm. The zillion sprints or the times where I felt like I was gonna puke because practice was so hard and da 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 da. Man, I loved it. Mm-hmm. I loved it. And I look forward and then it's we can once you condition yourself, it's like, okay, give me something hard. Yeah. Because I, I don't want easy because hard, like anybody can do easy. I want to do something. And a part of it's an ego thing, right? Mm-hmm. Like right. I, I can say I did this and you didn't do it. So it's like an ego thing. So mm-hmm. I, I get that too. But it is, it's, this is just, but as Americans, we just, we got to, we got to shift that conversation and that narrative. Kind of reflecting back in and, mm. you know, kind of how you started the conversation, you know, the easy and the hard when you think about life and applying that specifically to grief if we grieve the quote easy way, we avoid it. We don't talk about it. We, we say everything's okay. And we just go back to work the next day or, or, or whatever this, the loss is. It's going to come back. Mm. It so, is stuck in you and stored. And it's going to be harder. It's going to have wreak more havoc on your health and future relationships and your own relationship with yourself. But if we allow ourselves to sit with the discomfort mm. to engage and say, I'm, this has really affected me. You know, maybe it's not a quote, big loss. It's not the death of a friend or family member, 
but maybe it's maybe it's something small. Mm-hmm. And it's those daily losses that Jim always brings us back to is acknowledging your daily grief. You know, am I sad, mad, angry, mm-hmm. glad? Am I relieved? And talking through that grief journey. I mean, I can't find a better way to um, improve relationships with ourselves and others when we allow ourselves to grieve. I mean, that. And I'm going to go back, Andrea, you having said that. Yeah. Um, Casey, earlier you said, I'm a lot better at grief dealing with it now than I was a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Take us through that. What did it look like a few years ago? What was the process and where is it at now? So a few years ago, I, when grief came up specifically like daily grief on the, because in, in real estate and in any sales, right? It's like the heights of excitement to the depths of the depression right. all in a 24 hour period. Right. And so that in, in that, um, in that working, I had to get very clear on, well, what is my purpose in this particular zone, right? So what is my purpose in my relationship with my wife? What is my purpose in my relationship with my business? Um, and what is my, my work in, re- and what is my work in relationship with my clients, right? So what is, what do I really ultimately want? Mm-hmm. And and when I got clear on that and it, it was so going kind of from, and I, I think about the business side first, cause that's the most daily mm-hmm. heartbreak, heartbreaks and excitements. Right. Um, so in the, on the business side, it was getting clear that, okay, well my whole goal in everything that we do is we help people design their life and, the house or the physical environment they happen to find themselves in kind of just comes along with it. And so because of that, I could get, I could choose to get mad or upset or anything when somebody that I know or that I uh, have a relationship with goes and uses somebody else to buy or sell a house or goes and seeks counsel with somebody else. And I could choose to do that. And instead my, uh, evolved self and and it take a, took, you know, shit, I've been in real estate for 11 years. And so it's taken a lot to get to this place, mostly because I care deeply about the people that are in my circle. And I want, I don't want them to get themselves into a scenario that I can't help with. And so that what I used to do is just get pissed off and mad and angry and all of those emotions every single time that would happen. And it doesn't happen a ton, but every single time that it did, it felt like the world was going to end. And it was mostly because I couldn't contribute to that relationship in the, in the way that I happen to have a very strong knowledge in. Mm-hmm. And so that for me was, I had to let go of the fact that it's like, well, they, everybody is making the best decisions that they can with the information they have at the moment in time that they make that decision. And once I accepted that for myself, that, well, wait a minute, if I was in their shoes, what would I have done? I've done the same thing. I don't know. And so thinking through that has really helped me to, to evolve a little bit and I'm not perfect, but it's helped me to evolve a little bit in that, um, 
in not feeling that grief, but say, asking myself more the question of, well, how can I contribute at this point? What I feel so grateful that we are still friends and that you have evolved because I unintentionally totally dicked over Casey, who was my realtor, um, several years ago. He took us to look at several houses. He was he was on spot. My main we we were okay with a smaller house. Like my main thing was I want a yard that I can pee in and no one can see me. Mm-hmm. Like that was in case it's like okay, challenge accepted. I'm like I like I don't want people to know where I live because I just I I, I wanted that space, that mm-hmm. distance, that extra time to reflect. And my husband and I, so Casey had already shown us several houses, and or my husband and I, we were driving trying to get a toddler asleep, and we just saw this for sale by. Hu- for sale by owner sign. We're like, huh, we're just going to call it. Mm-hmm. We took a tour right then and there. We fell in love with it. And, and then I called Casey. I'm like, hey, Casey, we just made an offer. He's like, um, um wait, what? <laughs> I was like, oh, I don't know. We were just so caught up in the moment because I we were just ignorant and we were just hitting that point. And I... I I grieved over, and I'm sure you grieved as well as much as you were helping us, but I felt so horrible that, oh my gosh, if there was anyone that I wanted to help make a sale and do the best thing to to benefit him and his real estate business, like it would have been Casey, and I somehow fucked all this up. Like, I felt so bad, and he, I could tell it was not a pleasant conversation where it was, it was, um, it was hard, like Mm -hmm. it sucked, and I I felt like shame and guilt of like I'm just stupid and didn't know what I was doing. Like mm-hmm. I um I let the excitement get the best of me and there were tons of trees and there were so many places that I could pop a squat if I needed. Yeah. Um and privacy and and I mean, I can't thank you enough for <laughs> for some of the evolving work you have done because I can't imagine still not having a connection with you. And so I'm forever grateful that we are sitting here today. Um, being able to share part of your story and being able to still refer people to you. So that's, um, he's an amazing realtor. (laughs) And on top of all this growth work and that he's done, because he is still kind of that shepherd, even though he's letting go of the control part, he genuinely wants people to have enjoyable relationships and, and grow themselves too. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's, I think the ripple in the water that you do without even really trying Casey. Mm. Evansville's lucky to have you. Well, I, I just think that if if it's not fun, you shouldn't do it. And that's everything on a daily basis, right? Mm-hmm. Anytime I've bumped my head up against something that I'm like, I don't want to do this anymore because this is not fun. I just find somebody who thinks that that's fun. There's somebody whose talents and gifts you're stealing mm-hmm. by not allowing them to do that for you. Mm-hmm. And when you allow others to come and help you and share in their area of expertise and their superpower, life gets really incredible. Which is a completely Mm -hmm. thousand percent shift. The fact that me allowing somebody else to do something for me is actually a benefit to them, Mm -hmm. right? It is not me being lazy. It is not me Mm -hmm. taking the easy way out. It is here's somebody else who has a gift. I don't like doing this, so why am I going to beat myself over the head doing this when I can get somebody else who will love doing this? Right? Yep. yep, that's exactly right. I think the absolute theme of this entire conversation that we've had with you is all of this inner work and thinking through, okay, like let's get real about this. Let's have a language. Mm-hmm. Let's do some reflection, which our society is not good at doing, yeah. right? 
It's, Let's it's, watch it's, the sunset. It freaks people out. Yeah, it does. And you can have all of these things and you can live life the way you want to, but it's not just, oh, well, let's just go ahead and do that. It's like, okay, what's the give and take here? Yeah. Then I got to figure out, oh, wait, who am I? Not just who do I want people to think I am. And I, you know, I still struggle with that on a daily basis in in whatever realm, whether it be with my business or as a mom or, okay, was that me talking or was that me wanting to please someone so I don't feel unnecessary shame and then feel worse shame and guilt later on because Mm -hmm. of other ways it's impacted my behaviors or, or personal choices paying attention to your ego and, mm-hmm. and which is what that would exactly what you're mm-hmm. talking about that's the most important thing because it's like am i am i saying this for myself right or am i saying this to help someone or am i saying this because my ego really wants to hear that and to tout myself and to walk around a little bit you know and as you were talking, I have it written down in my little notes. That or avoid the, the discomfort. The removal of ego mm. is the hardest thing. That thing that we're good at. and It's because I didn't think that I had an ego. Right. At all. Right. Exactly. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I'm selfless. This guy I, is a dick. He's got an ego. Right. Yes. Oh, man. Talk about bing, bing, bing. Guilty, guilty, <laughs> guilty over here. <laughs> You've said this a lot. And this is like, the, again, another recurring thing, that removal of ego and the worst question to ask is, how do you do A, the, the thing that came to my mind um, whenever, when you said uh, how, right, um, was the question that I actually always like to turn that into is, how might I or how might we? Ah, uh, okay. So, um, so that it's not as, I think, how might There's room to maneuver out of that one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and it, and it kind of gives your mind a little bit more to explore. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me... When I look at when when I look at how how it is always looking at the the end with keeping the end in mind. Huh. Um, there's a book called The One Thing, and it's uh, it talks about focusing on this next domino so that the domino after that falls down. So what's the one thing that I can do such that by doing so everything else becomes easier or unnecessary? And so to remind myself of that, I, Lindsay and I got a domino tattoo and every day I can look at that and I can ask myself, well, what's the one thing? Is this part of the one thing that's going to make everything else easier or unnecessary? Mm-hmm. And is when I say yes to something, uh, I'm saying no to something else mm-hmm. always. Right. So is what I'm getting ready to say yes to. Is that fulfilling myself or is that fulfilling or pushing me in the direction yeah. What's the of domino hitting that effect? goal? Yeah. So, or not. And so if it's me, like this podcast and coming in here to hang out with you guys, that is solely filling my bucket, right? Because I like any time that I can share with one person or more than one people, any lessons that I've gleaned out of life from the work that I've done so that they may get help to do better or to get on a different path for themselves because I've been there before at a standstill with 40 different paths that I could go down um, and trying basically every path that I could find and then just making a point to go, nope, I'm going to stop this path. I'm going to move this direction. So that changing that in the moment that you feel it, if you're doing something is how I think about it. If I'm doing something 
and in my head, I think I should no longer be doing this. That's the day that I attempt to stop doing that. Uh doesn't mean that that's the day that it actually happens. Mm -hmm. That's the day I start putting things in order so that I am not doing that thing anymore. Which there's a book, do you know the book Essentialism? Mm Mm-mm. I forgot who the author is, and I had ran away. Obviously, I love to listen to sports radio. and some, yeah. So this guy who was a GM, or used to be a GM, and he recommended this book, And it's, but it's saying what you're talking about. It's okay. Talking about people who change their lives by going, oh, I said yes to everything. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, wait a minute. This is not working for me. So the word, so, he, so what is essential? Mm. Right? I said to my wife, our kids need to read this before they we send them off into the real world. Yeah. Because we get caught up in this world where we can say yes to everything. But really, these essential things are mm-hmm. what's what's really important for me to live the life that I want to live. Mm. Yeah. I'm, I'm at I'm at the entering. I should say I shouldn't say I'm at by no means mastering, but I'm entering this new phase in my life where it feels so good to say no, <laughs> and where I feel like this proud accomplishment mm-hmm. um, because. I was a yes man person. Mm-hmm. And by doing so, then you lose part of yourself by always trying to make other people happy. Enter enabling. And where does that enter? Losing yourself. Yep. And that that grief journey and being able to say no, knowing that that's going to have that domino fall in just the right angle, mm-hmm. just the right speed, just, you know, um, and seeing that go mm-hmm. and, and when things, when griefs happen on our journey and maybe it interrupts the domino and it was not part of the plan, mm-hmm. we at least can enable having good momentum in that right direction where it's going to be easier, like you said, to do what matters most, mm-hmm. to do what helps feed your soul, what helps feed those relationships. And no matter what grief comes along, it's going to be easier. doesn't mean it's not going to be hard and heartbreaking. Once you allow yourself to sit with that grief yes. once, it's way easier the next time. Right. Yep. It's but it but it does it, it I catch myself still doing it, right? You feel something come up and um there is a the sports psychologist for the Seattle Seahawks. Um he's got a great uh, podcast. Uh, he says um, he always asks the question, "Where do you feel it in your body?" Mhm. Yeah. And so whenever in, in anything, good or bad emotions, right, both come up and you feel both in your body. And so ever since I've heard him say that question, I've always focused in on going, okay, hmm. well, where do I feel that? That's interesting. When I get anxious, I feel it in my palms and in my feet. So like, like I want to run, right? Uh-huh. Um, but instead, sitting with that and feeling Just it. Acknowledging it. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and it allows it to dissipate because yeah. that's that's the whole hard, you know, truth is that when you allow yourself to feel that and you sit with it, it does allow it to dissipate instead of take control over the top of you. Which a lot of contemplatives, uh, and I think this is like maybe a Buddhist thing or something. I'm not sure. Homeostasis, baby. A lot of a lot of contemplatives. Thomas Merton is this kind of guru, like everybody looks to about contemplative stuff, and that's what he would talk about is. Instead of, like, I'm trying to quiet myself, but something comes up that's keeping me from quieting myself. Instead of just trying to, okay, I'm not going to think about that. And think about it. Mm-hmm. And then remove it. Mm-hmm. And move on. As opposed to, let's let's fight this, let's fight this. Just, okay, acknowledge it and get rid of it. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, being curious about our own resistance and and allowing yourself to sit with that. I mean, I think that is where some powerful personal growth happens is mm. I'm just going to sit and show So that my mom me. is 40 years in AA, and she's just a kind of an honest old school person anyways, but the, um, she, she has this thing. Like in AA, they put everything in these tiny little cliches, which are complete nuggets of wisdom, but they're Mm -hmm. never that easy. And she just says, name it, claim it, and let it go. Yep. Yep. When you can name it, you can tame it. Mm -hmm. Well, that's why the verbiage matters. I was just going to say the same thing. Yep. (laughs) Yeah. So keep going about what you were going to say. Yeah. Yeah. So if if you don't, if you can't put verbiage to it, you, you and a toddler are the same person. Yes. Right. In that, in that particular emotion set. It, it's and it's we all revert to our default and our level of training in any setting. So if you're training yourself to feel the emotion, to sit with it, and yes, as like as dudes, right? Especially like sports guys, right? It's like ah, you don't think about that. I can guarantee you, every single person, every single player that played in the mm-hmm. Super Bowl, have has done uh the majority of them have done the inner work to figure out okay what drives me why does it drive me what do i need to do to move forward because without figuring that out they don't yeah. you don't get to the highest level of professional athlete yeah. by accident well and you just mentioned earlier because we see we're dealing with your griefs throughout the game the Seattle yeah. seahawks have this psychologist right and the same thing nick saban university coach at university of alabama like considered this master guru greatest coach person of all time well he's got all these people coming in to talk with his team about leadership about mm-hmm. all of these psychological things yep. and that's what we even like you know tom brady wins another super bowl every tiny detail he knows exactly what he wants what it takes to win mm-hmm. he exam- does all this self-examination like this guy's living on this ridiculously crazy diet he's playing football at 43 years old and he's the best there is yeah. and it's because he pays attention to, he reflects on every tiny little detail mm-hmm. he knows who he is what he wants and how he's going to get there yep and he's and really, everybody and he calls him weird and he's the best at it in the world and it freaks people out when you're mm-hmm. that consistent and when you know yourself Mm-hmm. People, people are fearful. They're intimidated of, yes. oh. And that's why there's Tom Brady haters. Everybody hates him because it's mm-hmm. like, oh, you mean I've got to work that hard and be like that to be the best at something? I don't want to do that. So instead I'll just say he's a jerk and he cheated and blah, 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 blah. Yeah, because any time that we are, any time that we see or have a brush with greatness, we always want to self-explain it away so that we are not forced with the fact that we could do more. Mm-hmm. Shame, blame. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, listen, it's apartment complex a few years ago, and I was taking pictures in this person's apartment. Their son happened to be there. He was playing some NBA, you know, uh, video game, and he was playing with LeBron. I said, hey, you like LeBron? He was like, yeah, I want to be just like LeBron when I grow up. And he was like six or seven. I said, very cool. I said, well, how much do you play basketball? And he said, well, you know, I try to play as you know as often as possible i said what time do you wake up in the morning he's like well i I don't know you know it's like whenever my mom gets me up i said do you want to know how what time lebron gets up he said well yeah i said 3 30 i said do you want to know what he does he goes uh sure i said he works out and he practices before his practice and that's what he does until practice starts at 8 a.m so 
how often you play something or how often you do something is going to depict how good you are. Mm-hmm. And he said, hmm. <laughs> you could see his little wheels, wheels start turning. And he got up. He turned, the, uh, he turned the Xbox off. And he went out. He grabbed his basketball and he went outside. I love you, Casey. <laughs> well, and that's all in the last year or so. That's been a big deal because it's Kobe Bryant. When he- Just discipline. Or maybe- yeah, that's, yeah, it is to the discipline. best of your ability. Yeah. Everybody's abilities are different. Right. And there's a lot of people out there that want to be, you know, the, the lead person or the, you know, the, the, the person that's running the show. But they would be way better served as seconds to somebody else, uh-huh. as somebody in the background mm-hmm. to be fulfilled for their own life, not for what, you know, Instagram or TikTok or whatever uh. stupid social media thing is saying that you should do. Um, like being famous is like the number one thing on the, that kids want to be today. Oh, really? Yes. And it's like, fa- what is f- famous I'm- doesn't do anything. And actually, if you look at societies oh. over history of time, right before, right before their downfall, the their- famous people, quote unquote, right? They are the ones that people aspire to be like. Instead of the people that actually derive value to people's lives, mm-hmm. which is how all society starts, right? Yeah. Value is derived. And if you look at, you know, back through centuries, there's a reason that churches were the tallest buildings inside most cities. It's because that's what people drive value towards. And then now it's big office buildings because mm-hmm. that's how society has shifted to. And so it's in, instead of focusing on where the value is coming from, looking at okay well how do i add value to others in my particular area of expertise a b you have to know what your area of expertise is Mm -hmm. and you have to know the the things that you can do better than anybody else Mm -hmm. naturally first then it takes work to develop right and most people just don't take the time to, to stop and figure that out but kobe knows exactly what that is or knew exactly what that is. LeBron knows exactly what that is and what it takes every single day. He knows that if he, and I don't know his stats, but you know, it's like, it's like Michael Jordan threw a thousand free throws every day, had to make them every single day. There's no, there's no wonder to them why they are the best because they know that they're doing the work that it takes. And that's just the, the work is the hard part. Right. And there's also, I think, a big piece in that, too, is the letting go of, like, there's things that LeBron James and Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant had because they were born with. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so, like, I wanted to be a professional football player I, or a professional athlete. But guess what? God didn't make me very fast. Mm-hmm. And I worked as hard as I could to get faster and do all that stuff. But it wasn't going to be – it was not what those guys have. Mm-hmm. Right? So what those what those guys do is they take – what and professional athletes do is they take their God-given ability and they work so hard at it to because there is going to be, like, you know – I don't know, whatever, of everybody playing high school football, one-tenth of one-tenth of one-tenth of percent, mm-hmm. and not because they didn't work hard enough. I Nobody ever, 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 ever outworked me on any team I was on. Mm. But I had to go, okay. Do we need an ego check here? No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> that's, that's just the God's honest truth. <laughs> now, what, no, what I, I will tell you, I was slower, and I didn't play very much, and blah, 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 well, when I got out of college. But it, it was about, like, I've got to be honest with myself, and I've got to let go. But then with that of what I do have, so how do I channel those energies into things that I actually can be? Yes. 
Um, but it's it's that accepting and it's the letting go, as mm-hmm. we've talked about over and over and over. It's the removal of ego and saying what realistically, how am I going to be the best at what I can be, who I can be. And we have this unfortunate thing that failure is a bad thing, mm-hmm. right? Well, no, sorry. <laughs> it's, it's what you did, you know, and it's again, it's the cliche thing. It's what you do with that failure afterwards that mm-hmm. is it is the that is the important thing. Yeah, because you either you either learn or you win. That's it. Oh, yeah, right. Learn or you win. I like that. Yep. I mean, it, there really is no failure yep. because you don't know where the where the winning is going to come in at. You just like if everybody experimented more with their life. I think there would be, we would have tremendous more uh, growth. We would have tremendous more e- economics in our community. Mm-hmm. And, and economics at, at the base level drives everything else in a community, whether we like it or not. It's, you can't have a great business for people to work in if you don't have the economics behind it. So if you just tried, that's like one of the things that I noticed in, um, uh, in Belize, they weren't like, there's people out on the street selling juice and stuff. And they're, I mean, they had jobs previously to COVID right at resorts. And, but since, you know, the, they shut down mm-hmm. the country for eight months. So, you know, all of those things came into play to the, to them to go, Hey, you know what? Screw it. I'm just going to try something. Let's make some juice. Let's make yeah. some stuff. Let's sell some stuff on the side of the I'm street. I'm good at this. What do you like doing? Doesn't have to be, doesn't have to have fancy marketing. It doesn't have to have like the best logo or the name or any, just start trying stuff. It's like with the, our, our live streams that we do. It's like, I don't know. There's not a name to it. We're kind of trying to kind of come through that right now, but we've been doing it for almost a year now. Yeah. And there's not, there's not any like, logo or like uh, mission other than just to help people if they are at a place where they can receive the information just try it just put it out there put some stuff out there and if you don't put it out there nobody will know nobody knows how great of a person you are until you share your knowledge and your thoughts with them like everybody made fun of me in college because i had i don't know i think one summer i had like 40 different jobs and it was just, I was trying stuff. I was like, okay, well, uh, I applied to be an ice cream man guy, like one of the guys in the vans. It was so weird. Uh, <laughs> I did it for a day, and it didn't serve me, so I didn't do it again. I love it. <laughs> oh. Um, I'll go get, I'll find an, I, that implicit trust in the universe right, mm-hmm. that I have. It's like, well, I, it something else will come down. Mm-hmm. The line. I'll go and find. I'm not going to sit here and be a bum for very long, you know, for a little bit. That's that's reasonable. you're grieving. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I didn't know it then. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's like you're just trying to figure it out because going from somebody that got made fun of in grade school and in middle school to the person that I am today, that is a long journey full of like mostly days of like, what the hell am I doing? Right. And, and even days now, you probably still have days, right? You're yeah. asking yourself the same question, yeah. right? Well, like when it's uh, when it's cloudy outside, it affects my energy, uh-huh. right? So, like, I'll get out of bed a little bit later. I may or may not work out sometimes. Like those little, I may or may not do. I do a, a thing called the Miracle Morning every morning, where you uh, write. Uh, let's see, you uh, write. Um, do affirmations, visualization, exercise, uh, read, and... Uh, yeah, but it really 
resets your day. Yeah. Yeah. But if I don't do that, I can feel it mm-hmm. throughout the day. And if I do it on the day where it's cloudy, I know that it's going to help me, but I don't do that every time. Mm-hmm. So knowing it and acting out on things are very different, yeah. you know, things. So it's, it's just trying, trying to put stuff into action mm-hmm. and then seeing where that action lies within you. But like, it's, it's, it's all about what, what, how can I work towards my own happiness? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause at the end of the day, it is the daily things that you do. Like, yes, you go on, you know, when you go out of town, right, you get to escape from things for however long you're out of town. Then when you come back, it's, there's a movie that's like, well, we could go on vacation, but when we come back, our problems are still going to be here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and that's so true, but it's also like, I mean, I'm all right if I can somehow set my life up to make six digits and I work four days a week. That's that's actually part of my business plan, my long term goal plan. That's, that's totally doable. <laughs> that, I mean, that's right. that's that's my vision. But, but just the- when we avoid the discomfort, when we avoid, when we run and hide from grief and the hard work and and those things, it also to feel it because when we try to numb ourselves or avoid and run away from difficult stuff, it, it starts numbing and avoiding. The good emotions, too. Our mm-hmm. brain's not like, oh, let me dissect which one's a good feeling and which one's a bad feeling. Mm-hmm. You know, good fairy, bad fairy. Yep. Um, it just pushes it all down. Yeah. And so I'm so glad that you continue making conscious decisions about not trying to push it down and trying to fight the ego that's inside of all of us. And going back to that, you know, that story that you read from the black belt of the mind is trying to find the meaning of life by looking in into mm-hmm. your heart. And so... I know that we could talk all day oh, and yeah. you know, it's, it's hard to even know where to wrap up Casey, because I know we didn't even get to like so many aspects of a parts <laughs> yeah, of your re, grief re, journey. Says, Asterisk return guests. So, yeah. So, yeah. Because we got to get to part two of the whole thing. And, and so again, thank you. Um, thing, how could we get in touch with you? Find me on Facebook. That's the easiest way to find me. Um, although I'm hitting our, my friend's limit, I think. So I'm going to have to figure something else out. Try to live vicariously through you and, and do my own healing inner work, you know, take it up a notch here. Um, but again, Casey, I am just, I'm so thankful that you're still my friend, even after somebody helped. Somebody else like helped buy the house. It was this. It was this weird deal. Um, Look at it as you were helping Casey to grow and just letting. Yeah. Go. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, but no, but I, no, really. I'm so grateful that you guys had me on. It, it's been a lot of fun for me. Good. Yeah, good. This, is, this is a fun conversation. It's a good, exhausting conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, all right, everybody. So you need to check out Casey McCoy's Facebook page. Uh, most Tuesdays, 1130 Central Time, he live streams it up, as well as his Team McCoy Facebook page. Um, yeah, let's let's dig in. Let's Sounds dig good. in and find the meaning of life. Jim, how pumped are you to be here at Speak and Tell Studio looking out this window right now? 
This is awesome. The, we are at the 14th floor building, and we have one of the best views ever. Podcast, if you want to do a podcast, whether it's a one-time thing or you want to come in regularly, you can do that. Yeah, what's great is that if you're just interested in doing a podcast, you don't know much about it, these guys are stellar helping you walk through, I mean, like newbies like Jim and I. And in addition to their podcast recordings and their assistance there, especially what speaks kind of to Gemini and what matters most and thinking about grief is they do these memory recordings. So if you're not, if you don't know anything about it, check them out at speakandtellstudios.com, recording voices of your loved ones to always have with you. Speak and Tell Studios, check it out.